This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. and you may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah i am back this has been a great week i mean crazy and great at the same time um crazy because i saw clerks three and there's a lot to talk about there and we will talk about that in our talk topic of the week and then also this past friday i had the honor and pleasure to attend a new world intimate music from final fantasy uh this was a square enix promoted event awr music is performing various uh venues around the country and world uh i just talked to uh, eric just the other day he texted me back and said they already in austin they, he flew they immediately flew the next day to austin like they these guys are on the go <laughs> okay and it was an awesome awesome performance i'm very happy that i was able to go uh to see and hear some of my favorite music come alive um, from the series. And then also just to see Eric perform. And I've been to two different orchestra concerts before. I've never seen a conductor perform the way Eric did. He he was mesmerizing. He he used utilized his entire body to, you know, just conduct the music to, you know, he moved with the music and it was very energetic. It was very vigorous and it played to the crowd and played to the, the type of audience that he has. And that is the gaming audience that, you know, we were to expect a more traditional, you know, conservative style conductor who just moves his arms. Now, not Eric, Eric just go, he gets into the motion. He gets into the mood and it's a lot of fun to see. Um, the entire group of musicians that he had are just phenomenal. Um, 
If you go to talktimelive.com, I have an entire article on the event with an actual video clip of the first performance that they did. And it was just the whole entire night was great. Eric was a great uh, host and MC for the night as well. Uh, he would stop to talk to uh, the crowd, which is something else I've never seen done before. Because if you go to an orchestra, they just basically keep going from 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 score to score. Eric actually stops, talks to the audience, lets them know what they're about to hear, get the excite, get them excited. Like you have to understand your fan base and your tar and your audience base to do stuff like this. And that's what I really enjoy. They get it. And we talked about that in our interview uh, a while back in regards to the contrast of fans and audiences that you guys get from traditional to this new gaming you know community that we have that in that really appreciates the, the music that is being put together by these composers like nobu Amatsu and and soken and whatnot and you can see it and you can see all of it like it was a really amazing i was really happy to see that got thank you to aawr music for getting me the seats that they got me i was like dead set front row center you can see it in that video clip on uh talktimelive.com and it was just it's just one of those moments that i had to sit back and it was like i can't believe i'm here i cannot believe that i'm here looking at uh you know attending an orchestra not only that an orchestra based on one of the greatest video games of all time and then get it on front row and you know i actually also sat next to some of the people of ad uh awr you know while doing so the crowd was just loaded it was a near sold out uh you know hall you know barely any seats left to this extent and it was just great i mean like you'll see all of that on there it was just amazing an amazing experience i mean i look back at everything that i've done i, I had to sit there because i i did get a little bit teary-eyed you know from it and just at all of the fact that i'm here and if god forbid my mom was still alive and she was to realize all the stuff that i'm doing i think she'd be very happy you know, not everything's perfect in my life in particular, but, and it never was. I mean, I've always had to scratch and claw and fight to, you know, and plan and, and prepare to get to where I need to be. And, you know, it could be a lot better, but man, seriously, I am not complaining about any of the things that are happening in my life right now, because it's not, and I, I will say this right now, because I've heard this at least three times this week in reference to what I've been doing this week. I've heard the word and I'm really start, starting to hate this term luck. I've heard from three people this week on our ACMG Facebook group, mind you, that I was lucky to be able to be. No, no, people. No, lucky, lucky to be lucky doesn't require planning, preparing, preparation of any kind um it it you know it just you get that opportunity now this was all planned this was all prepped this was all from hard work this was all from networking this was all from investing this is not luck this was all god-given grind <laughs> okay um so please do not associate me with that term you know in the words of the controversial CM Punk right now, luck is for losers. And I hate to say it in that way, but you know, I, I, no, I will not accept the term lucky. It is just not. 
So everything that has happened, every connections that I have, every person that I know, every person that I had on TalkTimeLive.com, everything that I've done for ACMG, everything I've done for my clients is not luck. It is all planning. It is all prep. It is all business strategy. It is all grind. Okay. So please do not associate me with that term because no, I'm lucky I didn't get, I, I tell you what I'm lucky. I'm lucky I didn't, I didn't get shot you know, a while back, you know, this summer, just being 20 minutes away from uh, a situation that, you know, caused me to find an unforeseen situation, you know, in a certain area in the city. So I'm lucky for that. When it comes to what I do, no, no luck involved. Okay. And if you don't, and if you wish not to be lucky, give me a call. I'll show you how not to be lucky and how to make it happen. Right. So, you know, there's more room for everybody to enjoy their favorite fandoms and for God's sakes, their, their dreams, you know, that's what I do. So, but I digress. We got some news to talk about this week along with, oh, and by the way, yes, thank you to Eric Roth and to AWR music, uh, Arnie Roth as well for coming on to the show for invite me there. And thank you. It's just been an honor. And, uh, it's not the last time we'll be meeting for sure. We got, we got to meet, you know, uh, at the event afterwards and, uh, it was just really well, it, it was a really great experience. So, um, but I, like I said, we got a lot of news to talk about this week. We got a follow-up to last week's episode of She-Hawk to talk about. We got some news to talk about involving a particular, uh, network and we're headed off right now. So let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, folks, we're going to start off with a recap of She-Hawk episode five, and it was another fun filled episode this week and noticeably different from all the previous episodes is that one no major cameos we did get some cameos in here but nothing like really major in terms of the marvel cinematic universe and the connections or whatever but we also didn't get any in credit scenes which is a first in the series and from what i was made to understand and reports that i've read that there were going to be in credit scenes throughout the entire series uh, apparently that's not the case then again imdb also said that charlie cox was going to be virtually every other episode after the first and that's not the case either he's only going to be on one episode so you know far be it from us to understand but the marvel cinematic universe always tends to know how to keep secrets for the most part uh i don't know how they don't uh get leaks of information i mean the only time they do is when somebody like tom holland or somebody spoils something going on in there but other than that they really are tight-knit when they come to keeping secrets in this stuff so kudos to them because i'm surprised and i like to be surprised uh you know this generation today don't like to, doesn't really like surprises they just they want to find out everything from the jump yeah these kids but regardless uh no in credit scene this week and no major you know cameos coming but a hint of what is to come next week and it's the episode we've all been waiting for but let me not jump the gun let's go back and talk about what happened here let's start with last week uh, jennifer got a subpoena from titania for her trademark infringement of the name she hawk which she is suing her you know 
based on that. Titania has a cosmetic line that she's using the She-Hulk name for because it was not trademarked and she ran up to it. So they decided to take her to court. This version of Titania appears to draw characteristics of Kim Kardashian as she is considered a superpowered influencer. And she does a really great job performing this to um, Jamela Jabil. Uh, she's played in a, in a lot of different shows before and uh, she's fantastic. She's, you know, stunning as ever. And I think she this is a great, great, great uh, role for her to play because she looks the part. She plays the part. She's, you know, well versed in comedy. Uh, it, I think it just fits her to a T and using the Kim Kardashian characteristics of it. It's it's genius because I mean, Titania has always been a character in the comics who was this beautifully strong, uh, you know, superpower person. But back then in the eighties and she started, if I'm correct, she really, I think she originated as in, in secret war. Uh, I'm reading secret war right now. And it just, it seems that like Dr. Doom was the one who gave her the powers. And then so, soon after her and the wrecking crew became a group and a team or whatever from that. Um, which is also what we're seeing right now in this universe, but not from Secret Wars. We already saw the Wrecking Crew, and Titania is part of the Wrecking Crew, and she dates one of the actual, you know, in, uh, individuals from there as well. Um, funny, funny thing with this though is that um, you know back in the day we didn't have social media influencers. That was not a thing. Why? because you know jobs were available and opportunities were there were more opportunities back then so there was no need to and we didn't have the internet and social media to this advanced state back then so you know they formatted titania to today's standards and today's society and it's really well done i thought it was um a genius way to you know modernize the character so i, I really enjoy that aspect of her uh, Jennifer requires assistance for Mallory Brooke to defend her in this case. Mallory isn't the best team player, but she agrees to work with Jen regardless. Um, Mallory book is basically, if you guys recognize her, it's Renee Ellis, uh, Goldberry from Hamilton. And she, again, just a, a lot of stunning, stunningly beautiful women in this. And she, she is dope. I really enjoy her in this. Uh, she's just hard nosed, stern, you know, and doesn't really like to make too many friends or whatnot. In a comic book, in a comic book, though, Mallory Books, uh, Mallory Book, I should say, is kind of the enemy of Jen. And it's, you can feel that type of vibe here uh, in this episode, but they don't go that direction, it, it seems. I don't know if they will continue to go that direction, but in the comics, that's like, I, I, I guess that's kind of Jen's, uh, Jennifer Walters, uh, Flash Thompson, if you will, to some extent. But in this case, they kind of have a on again, off again type of vibe, but they managed to somewhat vibe together, but she's just not willing to be open with everybody, at least not in the beginning. Meanwhile, Nikki is looking to improve Jen's everyday fashion sense by acquiring the help of the world's finest superhero fashion designer by the name of Luke Jacobson, uh, played by flight attendants, uh, Griffin Matthews, one of my favorite characters of that show. That dude is awesome. Uh, I love the flight attendant. If you haven't watched that with Kaylee Cuoco, um, in it, and he's in it as well. If I don't really want to spoil who he plays, but I mean, this is like season two already. So he's kind of, he's the agent of the, uh, show 
and he's he's badass he's badass but in here he's playing you know luke jacobson also a character from uh the early days of marvel comics a, a really obscure uh, comic as well that i've never heard of but he's uh he's playing that role it here's a, here's the interesting thing he's playing the role of a character that was white and now he's playing this role and this the reason why i'm mentioning that is because this plays into some of the situations that is going on on social media today when it comes to ariel and um kiki palmer you know wanting to play rogue and all this stuff and we'll talk about that in a minute but i liked his role in this i think because it was a minor character that nobody's ever heard of it they could easily revamp him and recreate him and re you know establish this character as somebody totally different because nobody really he wasn't the most like noticeable popular character in the comics so and, and in this universe it's fine this is a whole different universe it could happen i mean safe to say all the other ones can happen too but because this is such a minor character i can see this being a safe bet to do and he plays the role perfectly so uh again much like uh mallory he is not an easy person to not only get a hold of but not a um not a easy person to convince to take on Nikki and Pug go to great lengths to get an appointment, including buying bootleg Avenger apparel from an underground seller who could get them connected to Luke. And all of a sudden, this this bootleg Avenger stuff comes out, and now uh, people on social media want that bootleg stuff. And I'm like, you can make your own bootleg stuff anytime. There are print shops all the time that can make this. And now you want Marvel to do it? Marvel's not going to do it. At least I don't think they are. Um, it'd be weird for them to do that but pug you know also wants a favor from nikki too in the process of doing all this and he wants her to stay in line with him so he they can purchase the limited edition pair of iron man threes which i looked i thought about that i'm like yo that's kind of dope those are sneaks that i would probably want to rock um if like if nike does something with um with marvel i that's gonna make some mad cash like do different versions of iron man it, throughout all the different movies and everything and make them into a like a, a uh, air max sneak oh that'd be so dope and so expensive so the two managed to convince luke uh to get that uh, an appointment with jen and nikki actually lied to tell them that jen is an avenger i don't know if that's some you know self-fulfilling prophecy and or, uh unforeseen uh in an unforeseen future but you know we'll see it look you know of course everything is leading to that point um Jen and Mallory are in court, meanwhile, and the judge orders them to prove that Jen actually uses the name She-Hulk consistently. The judge witnessed several videos by Titania's lawyer showing Jen stating that she never liked the name in the first place. And we actually saw from previous episodes that she was disowning the name. She didn't like the way it was branding. But then this particular episode, when somebody takes it away from her, she now starts to grow fond of the it's it's really life is really funny. It, this always happens when when you like somebody so much and they know you like them so much sometimes they don't embrace it and they kind of take it for granted but then the minute you stop liking them they it's now the most interesting thing we as humans are weird okay <laughs> we just have some weird you know instincts in our life that's one of them so jen figures out a way to prove that she uses the name for her brand by bringing in all of the guys she dated in the previous episodes including david otunga 
uh who plays that really big jockey dude that's kind of like insecure about his own self and his in uh, his strength because jennifer is a hell of a lot stronger than him and author who was the doctor or physician who dumped her after he uh after she revealed her original form while embarrassing for her it did prove that she uh that she uh, it did prove to work actually as they revealed that they all met through a dating app in which she uses the she-hawk account and they recognize her as she-hawk author went on the record uh by saying that he was more attracted to she-hawk more than jennifer it it was like i get i don't see what's the problem with jen like jen is not like jennifer walters the actual person the character is not the, like the most sexiest person in the world but that doesn't mean she's bad and you know that's that just sucks i think she's cute as hell um and orphan black i think she was people thought this she was sexy and orphan black too so i mean like you know eh, to each his own titania uh you know lost the case basically and and unfortunately the judge ruled in the order of jen which means titania had to cease and desist her entire brand of cosmetics under the name she hawk which means it'll cost her millions to do and that's i, I thought about that like yeah that sucks hard because she the whole campaign and everything had to be paid millions. she did billboards she did commercials um high quality commercials uh production all that that she's losing a lot of money to do that and then she has to rebrand the whole damn thing as well so that which that sucks and she vowed that she was going to get her back for what she's done uh of course if anybody has read the comic books you know that this is possibly her leading to uh teaming up with the wrecking crew and whoever the wrecking crew is teaming up with and that still is yet to be learned except we did we we did uh see that one of the people that she that uh jennifer was dating was the creepy dude who was uh a little bit of a uh he was a little bit of a villain character he kind of played off like a villain and he came back because Valerie is representing him for some reason as well so this guy is apparently a little bit more than we thought he was going to be we we thought he was going to be a one-off that's not exactly the case here it looks like he's going to be into a little bit um, more involved with the situation possibly the one who is getting the the uh wrecking crew to try and get uh she hawks blood or whatever or dna whatever to do whatever and we don't know who this guy is i think who knows for all i know he's rather the supervillain or working with the real supervillain it's possible they're throwing us off the leader could be involved in this whole thing too because we now know the leader's coming back into the marvel cinematic universe after 14 years and this all can lead to something really big so yeah I, i'm gonna keep an eye on this dude majorly but it looks like he's getting closer and closer to jen and this whole thing and uh it's very interesting here so luke also uh well we, later we we go to, uh, not skip ahead later we see jen uh visit luke uh jacobson's uh secret boutique and she and where she was represented or presented with an entire wardrobe that she can fit into both as jen and she hawk so the, i think the idea is that her clothing is going to allow her to stretch out because he used some materials or whatever that would allow her to uh you know look good on both cases instead of her actually just wearing jen's clothes and having to grow into them so 
and it's supposed to be sleek and sexy and you know and also professional luke also gave her a bonus costume which leads fans to believe that it's the iconic purple and white suit that she uses in battle or just in general um she declined it but luke insists that she takes it because she thought that she would she would never need it for anything now but we know through episode one um we learned that wasn't a fact she's trying to avoid being a superhero or an avenger and it's not happening so while he walks away he noticed that a, a open box is in the vicinity and is telling people like telling his staff like why are you leaving things open you know that we you're supposed to keep everything secret well we got a glimpse of what was in there and it was a very familiar helmet and it is in fact the yellow and red helmet of one matthew murdoch aka daredevil letting us know that the episode we've been waiting for is coming next week and that's how the show ended no end credits again but this show continues to be an awesome fun show to watch uh if you're looking for everything to be heroic and dramatic and everything this is not the show for you this is what makes marvel so great just like this was what made marvel comics so great and if you read the comic books you know that this is some of the things that they have they have comedy in some of their episodes that's why deadpool's around they have these type of things she hulk was always that type of comic book this is always what she was they not this is not them making a she hulk comic that was dramatic and then all of a sudden they're making a comedy no there was always comedy in she hulk comics she was always this type of flamboyant well not even flamboyant but charismatic uh you know very enthusiastic and high-spirited type of character that just you know let it all out you know she was supposed to be she was made to be the opposite of bruce banner that's what she was and i i enjoyed it immensely like people read a book read a sentence at best at least no because a sentence can be also be used in a, in a headline stop reading headlines and actually read articles or just read period like we need to get back to that so another thing you want to get back to is marvel or titania whichever you want to put it put out something on social media as titania's uh actual page and i guess this is one of the first things to get revenge on her but she put out a number an actual a real live number so if you call 1877 she hawk you'll get a message from titania in there it's really awesome uh i have this is some cool stuff from back in the day like i remember they used to do stuff like this uh for video games or even you know cereal you know uh prizes and boxes and you call this number and you know you hear like i i, I think my fondest memory is like you hear captain crunch do a message or something like that and you would call them for to get like the password or whatever something like that that you could win a prize or something it was really cool it took, just took me back to that it's just really cute that they did something like that so yeah another great episode but next week is the episode we have all been waiting for matt murdoch is coming he's making an appearance and uh, i'm looking forward to it so get ready it's coming so all right we got to get to other crazier news here going to some gaming news per se um g4 tv we haven't talked about g4 tv in quite some time one of which one of the reasons is because i actually stopped watching g4 actually correction the only time i generally start watching g4 is when scott DeWose is on air scott DeWose to me which is something that i, I get it i can watch ted on youtube at any time but it is a show that i felt like 
is what G4 used to be. It's the closest thing to what G4 used to be. I stopped watching X play ages ago when Frost did the I, again. I understand why Frost said did what she did. She basically literally she basically did what CM Punk did. She did exactly what CM Punk did. She kind of went into business for herself to some extent. Um, but there were some understandable circumstances to it because people were harassing her. People were berating her and that's wrong that uh, nobody should feel that way. Nobody should be that way. You, you don't have to compare her to Olivia Munn or Morgan Webb. She is her own thing. And I, you know, before all that happened, I actually really appreciated what Frost has done uh in terms of how she the amount of shows that she was working like she's a workhorse um no joke she i really admire that part of her um she's very entertaining she kind of stands out from the crowd and I, I like the fact that she's not a morgan webb i like the fact that she's not um an olivia munn like i like olivia munn and i like morgan webb for what they are but i also like you know you gotta have you know the frost is in there too she doesn't have to be like overly sexual or appealing she just has to know her shit and you know get it done but then she revealed one of the biggest things. And it, it's funny, I, I really, when I heard it, I was upset and I'm still upset actually, because I write my own reviews. I write notes for those reviews and I play these games consistently. Like you could go on my Nintendo uh, account, see not only how many games I, I played and own, but also how many hours I put into them. You will see all that. And I guess you can see that in some of the other that is for what I do too. Um, when she revealed that like they have ghostwriters to write to help them with the reviews that they do because they do so much in there and they can't, they don't have nothing. I'm like, then let's hear from the people who actually review them. Let's give them the spotlight, not the people who didn't. So it's like really a Milli Vanilli type of vibe to this. And people felt like they were wrong, you know, after all these years. Um, I, the reason why I am not surprised at that is because I talked to Steve Bloom uh, years ago um, in regards to, you know, what he does at, you know, you guys, you know, he's the robot from Toonami and that robot basically reviews video games a lot. Now, Steve Bloom is an actor. This is the difference. This is the difference with this. Steve Bloom is an actor. So it's and I asked, I asked him at one point, like, do you actually play any of these games? You know, he like, no, he just write, he, he reads off what the, uh, actual reviewers actually do because he's playing a role of a character who plays video games. That's the difference. He's an actor playing a role of those people and giving it the vibe that it needs. So I get that. That's understandable. Frost, Black Hokage, uh, the completionist, these guys aren't actors these guys are actually you know they they proclaim themselves as video game reviewers and they do play video games but it's like to what extent and we found out that they don't do all their stuff and it kind of put you know put people in the wrong way and since then they've lost a lot of viewerships a lot and I don't know if it was because of this, that incident to this day, but apparently G4 
has been said to have laid off and can't uh, a lot of uh, quite a few people uh, a significant amount of people and cancel streams in the process uh during this week according to uh kotaku the one year return of g4 tv is in a bit of a downfall resulting in the company cutting 20 to 30 staff members this past wednesday and canceling streams including a wwe theme stream hosted by xavier woods and the other guys from the new day reports are saying that the company is in a bad financial shape uh no reports say that select uh selected staff or host uh was laid off including you know the host of the shows of like uh g like x play and attack of the show and whatnot uh frost who many believe is the reason for g4 tv's downfall due to the past rent that she did on social media and on tv to the uh to the announcement uh with some you know announced she made an announcement on social media to what some believe was a tone deaf comment saying that she is still with the company even though a significant amount of people that she apparently knows were fired and released that's what they're saying uh it you know i i don't know i don't i can't speak on that it is what it is um i know she's just trying to make sure that the trolls don't get at her you know to some extent so i get it um it's just really bad it's just a really bad time i really wanted g4 i was excited when g4 tv came back um but it just doesn't have the old it just doesn't have the vibe that it once did it just didn't and not only that i you know even though i stopped watching i kept an eye on it like watching all guys to see if they were gonna even start to produce new content new shows or whatnot no it's the same shows it only there's only a it's only been a year and it's like a, a limited amount of shows attack of the show to me was never a show that fit the format of what i thought g4 was like before attack of the show ever came on because i think they were once connected to a whole nother network and then the networks merged together with g4 uh but i think it was h uh, hd tv i think I, I could be wrong but i just never felt attack of the show really fit the format of g4 g4 was a gaming network and here you have a show that just talks about the internet and social media and it, i mean yeah they interview other people and all the stuff but g4 in its core was meant for gaming and I just never like X play was dope and X play came from another network too. But before that it was electronic, uh, you know, electric, uh, playground. And I've always loved that show. I love the documentaries that they did in there and, and what they talked about the history. That's why I like Scott DeWoz because one, it was comedic like G4 used to be. Um, and still is to some extent. Um, it really talked about, he really goes on on his way to talk about the history of games and he's he does it really well like this dude has been on youtube forever he gets millions of uh followers and such and and, and a hell of a lot of views so g4 wanted to you know play off of that but for some reason they they took him off the air at one point they brought him back and i don't know what's going on now like their format is their, their entire format is just is scarce um they haven't thought about any new content to put on the show it's just the same stuff and then on top of that they just play old vault episodes of old g4 stuff they play you know american ninja warrior which again is one of those reasons that was one of those things that like that's not what g4 is and that was one of the things that started plaguing g4 in the beginning and then they show old episodes of starcade which i don't mind that because that's that was an old 
game show based on you know playing arcade games and whatnot so i don't mind that how about remake that game show and bring it back how about do that instead of just showing the old shows or make a new version of a game show based on that like start actually making game related content how about doing that no they have not they have not they and, and apparently you know money they've been hemorrhaging money ever since from it so we'll see what's going to happen is i expect more to come in a, uh in, in the following days so we'll see but it's just sad you know what else is sad this whole stupid conversation about kiki palmer uh wanting to be rogue from the x-men and the aerial situation like can we stop can we stop feeding into trolls can we starve negativity please if you starve negativity negativity will just go away it's just stop it like it is only a vocal minority of people the internet goes crazy once again as kiki, there were talks of kiki palmer wanting to play rogue from the x-men now although i'm never you know i i i'm okay with anybody doing anything as long as they play it really good uh, and I do want to take note. I got to put them on blast. Holly, Heroic Hollywood mistakenly put a, puts a picture of another actor or performer. I don't know who this person is. We're all trying to figure out on ACMG Facebook who this other person was. But it definitely was not Kiki Palmer. But they corrected it the next day with an actual pic of the actress from, a, uh, recent role, from her recent role in Nope. Come on, man. Get it together, Holly, uh, Heroic Hollywood. So, um here's my here's my thoughts here cool she wants to be rogue maybe she could play the role maybe not i get we need more representation what we don't need is to all of these characters taking over these iconic roles that are already been established like i'm glad we don't have a black peter parker i'm really glad we don't i'm glad we do have miles morales and you know what's the significance about that is that we got a new character that is established on its own nobody's making recreating this character i'm saying that to say that we don't need to have black versions of every single character iconic character because they're well established and popular what we need is to create new characters of color and representation and orientation and put them on the spotlight get, make them more established I, Miles Morales is a great example of this because to me, that character and Kamala Khan are two brand new characters of color that were really established in the, in the comic book series and now reestablished in the video game world and reestablished in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They didn't need to use, now granted, they are using the Miss Marvel name and they are using the Spider-Man name, but they within that, they're their own people with their own different abilities. We don't need to take over a rogue like no make rogue rogue from the x-men that i grew up with i love the southern you know character the white southern character that he had i love peter parker I'm, i've grew up on peter parker peter parker was the every man you know he wasn't racist he wasn't just you know he wasn't about one thing he was about everybody he he was the friendly neighborhood dude i love miles morales we got a new guy on the scene that is just taking names and, 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 and kicking butt everywhere. You know, he has Spider-Man's abilities, but he also can be invisible and he has Venom uh, blast powers. And he's one of the most popular dudes. The dude got an Oscar. <laughs> okay. So Kamala Khan, one of the best 
Marvel Cinematic Universe series this year. Um, we don't need to reestablish a already popular character. We need our own. So let the let I w I don't want to see a black Scott Summers. I don't want to see a a um you know we can't see a black uh oh no I don't want to see a black Wolverine. I don't want to see a a white T'Challa. You know what I'm saying I don't want to see a white Bishop. I want to see all of the characters as they were meant to be. And again, I mentioned Bishop. Bishop is another brand new, awesome character that came out in the nineties. And he was a black character from the X-Men and Bishop is all that. Bishop is no joke. Okay. They made Bishop from the ground up. Let's start making more characters and make them important. That's what we need. We don't need all of these characters that are, you know, made from, you know, other people because they were already established. I, I get it. Now I mentioned also Luke Jacobson. And when I did the recap of uh, She-Hulk, yes, Luke of Jacobson was white in the comics, but Luke of Jacobson was also a minor character that nobody even remembered or knew about until now. So when it's that to that level, that I understand you could do that because nobody really cared about that character anyway so they just re reestablished it night nurse was another one rosario dawson played night nurse on daredevil they reestablished the character because that character was not a major character it was not like a character that anybody really remembers to that extent so we i bring rosario dawson here by bringing griffin matthews in they can help reestablish these characters into popularity because they weren't popular in the beginning so Look what they did with Wong with, with um, you know, that that character was obscure from. Well, granted, he was I believe that character was also Asian in the comics, too. But, you know, they brought him into fruition here. Uh, like we can just just and if there is a minor character, that's fine. But if it's a major character, just leave him be. Let's start creating more popular characters, newer characters, you know, and reestablish them because all this rehashing and recreating it's all fun and good but sometimes it can it can seem forced it could be it can seem really forced to do so because you know it's unpopular right no just create some brand new characters and make them badass that's all you know i'd rather have that than having my you know major characters you know being uh you know having their race change just because you know no rhyme or reason okay let's just not Let's just keep it at that. So, folks, that is what is new with the world in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break. Come back. And my God, we're going to talk about Clerks 3, the final installment to the View Askew universe. That is Dante and Randall. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. 
Hey, this is Mega Ran, teacher, rapper, hero, waffle lover. And you're checking out ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Turn it up and share. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait! When it comes to this movie, 1994, <laughs> do you ever take time to look back at your career and realize the contributions in 1984 that you and other casts have made for a whole new generation? I don't. I don't look back to to look what the, the you know the contributions have been. I have plenty of people like yourself, other filmmakers who are up and coming, who are like, "Yo, that movie you guys put together was just so simplistically brilliant to do." I mean, technically, we're no you know we're no Lucasfilm, uh, uh, but the heart of the film, the uh, the characters that were developed, the, the performances that were given, you know, we filmed it in 93, April of 93, and then it came out in October of 94. Um, so looking back on it that way, it's like amazing that uh, it holds up this far. Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Clerks 3, the final installment of the Clerks saga in the View Askew universe. And damn. I was not prepared for what I was watching this uh, week with this show. Like I went to the movies thinking like, all right, you know, part two, they actually work together to, you know, own the quickie Martin and all that. What's going to happen now? Are they going to chain these things? What's going to happen? Are you going to just progress and live happily ever after? Not even close just from the beginning. And it, God forbid, if you guys have not seen this movie and don't want to be spoiled. This is not going to be the, sh uh, the episode for you to listen to this week. Pause right now. Hold off. Watch the movie. Then get back to me. But there's no way we can't do it because from the door, from the door, Kevin Smith hits us with some bombshells with this movie. So we know how comedic Kevin Smith can be, but we also know how much of a great storyteller he can be as well. And Hey, let's just put it this way. I wanted to be mad at this show after I watched it. I mean, this movie after I watched it. And I found myself that I really, I, I really could not be mad at the fate of these characters on this show. Um, mostly because of how well it was performed. And mostly I'm going to give credit. I think MVP credit. And I'm just not just saying this because I had the pleasure of talking to this guy. But... I gotta say the MVP for this is Brian O'Halloran because we saw Dante like never before in this show. Like if you watched Clerks since the beginning, the first one, the second one, even a, even an animated series, then you know he's just a guy who hesitates for the most part. He doesn't want to, you know, what Randall says, should I get off the pot for the most part? And he make his decision-making sometimes takes him into a very interesting place in life and this time his decisions really was met with some tragic results um let's start off at the beginning of this movie where they revealed at the very beginning we see dante going to the quick stop and you know there is a obituary moment uh, memoriam of rosario dawson's character um becky 
you guys remember at the end of part two, Becky ended up getting with Dante after he was married to um, Emma, who it played, who's played by Jennifer Smith, uh, Kevin Smith's actual wife. Um, and so they end up, you know, break him and Emma, you know, Dante and Emma breaks up. Um, Dante and Becky get married, get together and have a kid. But lo and behold, we learn that she died. And I'm thinking this is a joke. Maybe this is a joke because they do have this relationship where they joke around a lot. And you see it in this movie as well that, you know, Becky and Dante always, you know, go there. They go a little bit dark every once in a while, and sometimes a little bit like seductive at, at times. Um, but this wasn't the case. And I'm thinking that when I saw that, I'm like, no, no way. This got to be a joke. And I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the joke to kick in. It's been a half hour. The joke is still not kicked in. This freaking they killed off Becky. I was like, I hate I, I hate this identity killed her. What is going on? How did she die? And we don't find out till like way later on. But all through the movie, you know, Dante is trying to come to grips with it. With the idea that he lost the love of his life. The, the, he believed was the real love of his life uh, at this point. And they really did connect in part two. I was like, why did they, why did Kevin do this to this guy? <laughs> He's been through so much crap in his life. Um, he technically is the Charlie Brown of, of this universe in a lot of ways. And he just, I feel like he just wants to live life, you know, as good as possible, but he doesn't want to, you know, take risk, but he gets pushed into taking risks every so often. And, you know, sometimes it just, it leads him into situations that it just happened. This is one of those situations that he couldn't control because we learned what happens later on, um, in the movie as to how she died. And, but he's so broken up about it. And every once in a while he gets reminded of her death and everything that he breaks down and down it every so often he envisions, you know, Becky. And this is where we get to see Rosario Dawson play like kind of a ghost version of Becky in a case where he's talking, he's in, uh, she's from Dom, uh, Dante's imagination or head and they have these conversations. So this is how Rosario Dawson gets uh, brought into this movie every so often. And I was like, I cannot believe that I'm, this is happening. And I'm, it, it put me in a place throughout the whole entire series, but the other plot in this, and, and believe it or not, that is the B plot of this movie. The main plot of this movie is that uh, Randall play, um, Randall pretty much gets, uh, suffers a cardiac arrest, uh, what they call a Widowmaker. And, you know, Jeff Anderson, who just does tremendously as Randall, um, he falls into a, uh, a cardiac arrest after, you know, once again, getting into an argument with Elias played by Trevor, um, for, uh, Furman, who is awesome as Elias. Like, I didn't think, I don't know because he's older now, he would be able to still play that really dorky, you know, Christian, like, uh, Elias character growing up, but he's not only playing him but he has an accomplice with him now who kind of plays like his silent bob and you start to see this pattern throughout the whole entire movie where all these different pairings of people come by and there's always a silent bob within every one of them <laughs> uh so he has his new uh niche now and 
they get into this uh this discussion about jesus and and you know elias is uh you know willing to sell kites of jesus and, and such and then also you're talking about crypto and all these things and it just puts randall i mean uh randall in a place to the point that randall ends up you know falling out starts sweating hard and he falls into a cardiac arrest dante actually saves him in time and they go to the hospital and where they go to the uh cardio uh surgeon played by amy sedaris she was absolutely i love her she's hilarious i'm so glad she was there was a lot of great cameo appearances in this um in this movie this time around to you know pay homage to the entire clerk series and they brought back a lot of people from the past too um in here so randall gets you know randall's thankfully saved she says there's a 2080 chance that he could have made it and he was in an 80 percentile she was really good at what she does she managed to save him um and he decides you know he decides they start to come to grips with himself because you know he's going through these phases after you know surviving a heart attack and wondering what is he doing with his life what is he this is one of those real life situations that you know this is the reason why i love clerks because when i get into discussions like this you know i think about everything that i've done in my life and again if any of you guys heard the you know the the uh question i posted i put in in the acmg facebook group when i thanked kevin smith for clerks and asked him about the you know what inspired him about that one scene because it changed it literally kind of changed the direction in my life and my thoughts about you just wasting my life and wasting time and you know not letting any jobs or anything you know take you know my life granted or whatnot and doing what i want to do in life and this is one of those situations again randall's coming to grips with the fact that he really hasn't done anything fulfilling in his life he's only been watching movies for a very long time dante said you know i always thought that you could have made any of those movies and this inspired randall to pretty much start to make a movie a movie about clerks so this what this movie does is it basically is telling kevin smith's story not only is it talk it you know randall getting a cardiac arrest a widowmaker is a reflection of kevin smith's real life situation of having cardiac um issues as well he almost died from a heart attack I'm, I'm so glad that he was able to make it and i was able to see him and thank him because i when i found out that he had that happening i i it almost almost um scare me it, it, it no it did scare me but it also broke my because i always wanted to meet kevin i always wanted to you know tell kevin thank you for what he's done and i to up to that point i never got a chance to actually attend any of his live concerts i used to watch his live q a's and his live shows you know from tv and whatnot but i never got a chance to see it and i've always said i told my wife all the time we've always said we gotta make it because they're so hilarious him telling him stories of telling his stories about you know like uh the protest the christian protest or the um the bruce willis story or whatnot those are just priceless but he just has a very comedic you know presence about him and he can entertain a crowd he's never he's not a professional comedian by any stance but he has a very genius uh, com uh comedic mind to say and i've always wanted to meet him and i always wanted to say thank you and i thank goodness i got to see that and when he did that there but he you know he used 
you know, Randall as a way to talk about his story there. And also, just like I said, to, you know, reflect on everything that has happened since the first clerks by putting all of the stories that happened in the first clerks into this movie that Randall's creating. And they called it, they gave it a bunch of names, but I think they just narrowed it down to call it inconvenience as inconvenience stores. They brought back virtually every single character from the original clerks, especially Marilyn uh, Giglotti, and who plays Veronica in the original. And she makes her return and she found out about the script that they were making and they were going to do the 37 on the movie and Dante told her not to do it and they ended up reconnecting again and um she got really bad at Randall so much so that you know she kind of threw shade at Randall but also hurting Dante in the midst of this because she mentioned like at least I have a life and a family and everybody in in New Jersey who knew them knew what happened to Dante and Becky and it stressed her out frustrated her Dante wind up going uh after her to try to calm her down and tell her that she's all right it was a mistake you, you're okay and those two wind up reconnecting in the van <laughs> yeah so she ended up ended up being a part of the video uh, in a movie production as well uh jay and Salah, bob jason muse kevin smith also back and i was wondering what was going to happen with that video store because the videos nobody's selling videos anymore smartly kevin thought about you know, making the store a weed store that now Jay and Silent Bob owns. They took it over. The funny thing is the tapes are still there. They only got a few different products in, in there as well. And um, that's hilarious. But they also, you know, get into the movie and such like that. And the movie plays really well into answering a lot of things that happened in the original movie and questioning the way that they produce um that things happen in the movie the plot points or whatnot in there so they mention that and also the one time you know silent bob talks he articulates the entire process of why they should why they film in black and white because of how grainy and, and lighting was so bad in the store that they were filming at so i love when he did that that was a big um you know wink wink for fans who always wanted to know why they filmed in black and white they also were doing auditions as well and the audition scenes were hilarious they had you know everybody from darnell rollins um who people don't realize darnell rollins and kevin smith did a actual you know series together that was that they wanted to get crowdfunded i actually liked the series it was it was like a series about them owning a weed store or whatnot and it was actually quite funny but i don't think that they got the the funds to produce any more um episodes from that but it was really well done. I like uh, Darnell Rollins is hilarious. If you ever watched him on Chappelle's show, he's just hilarious. And, and a, a, a show about him owning a weed store is just right up his alley. Also, Kevin Smith's alley as well. Um, I, I hope so. It, it reminds you know, that reminds me of like the, the clerks. Um, it's right up there with the clerks uh, animated series where it's like just going to be this cult, you know, classic of episodes there. Speaking of the. Uh, that episode so i mean the, the clerks animated movie if anybody noticed that jay hat was wearing a hat with a button that had leonardo leonardo on there who was played by alec baldwin in the series i thought that was awesome <laughs> if anybody watched the clerks um animated series that that is one of my favorite 
animated series that they just decided to only make six episodes out of. Um, me and Brian O'Halloran were briefly talking about it in our interview. If you uh, haven't got a chance to check that out, go to talktumlive.com and check out that interview as well. Um, but they he was wearing that as well. But going back to the auditions, Freddie Prince Jr. was uh, trying to audition. Uh, Melissa Benoist. I didn't realize that was her in the movie as well. Supergirl was made an appearance in there. Sarah Michelle Geller was also auditioning in there. Um, uh, who am I missing here? Stupidly. Um, oh, Ben Affleck also made an appearance as one of the uh, auction, you know, uh, auditioners as well. Fred uh, Armisen was in there as well. We also saw many other appearances throughout the show. There was the uh, scene of them trying to put together uh the scene from moby's um where, where we got part two and um they don't they no longer work in moby's anymore but they felt like jay and Salabot would be able to get them in if they you know bribe them with weed and then all of a sudden there's the scene where you're listening to an old song from pm dawn and they're just dancing you know high as hell kate makasi plays moby in the in the moby suit in there so she gets in the paris in there as well um it was really hilarious but this was a really another interesting scene involving brian o'halloran uh when as dante couldn't go in there because it going to moby's reminded him too much of the experience the great experience and the memories that he had with becky and becky you know her ghostly self came to try to you know convince him that he could do it but he said he couldn't and we got to see dante in such a vulnerable state in this movie i did not realize where they were going with this um and you can understand how hard it is you know we come to find out later that she died from a car accident i was hoping that it wasn't i was actually glad that it was from that and not like from her having an you know uh labor issues or inducive labor uh issues or whatnot from having a kid and they you know he, he lost both and i was like i'm wondering like okay is the kid still alive she she's not here but the kid come to find out it was a stupid accident from a stupid idiot you know and um that they end up you know killing off and i it was it was upsetting it was very upsetting because i'm like can this guy catch a break i like i feel like dante people wanted dante to be that underdog character that everybody um can live vicariously through and I jokingly said that like to Brian um, in our interview that like Dante is a hero and it's crazy to say that, but yeah, but heroes come in different ways. Even though he wasn't anything heroic, even though he didn't do anything brave or influential in a sense, him not doing the things it also helped me to do the things that, you know, I needed to do in life because at the first, in the first movie, which they reenacted in this one, which led to the unfortunate fate of Dante, is the uh, salsa shark scene at the very end where they actually, you know, just uh, got into the big fight. But we noticed this time Randall, you know, with his reinvigorated life, you know, only thinking about himself and only thinking that like, he's the one that's been doing all this stuff. And he keeps saying Dante isn't doing enough to help out. It, but Randall's not realizing all the things that Dante's going through emotionally and, you know, mentally with the loss of Becky. He's not thinking about that. He's only thinking about himself in here. It's going to be hard to argue that Randall is the cause of the fate of Dante in this movie. 
when he you know because of the stress that he has on himself the heartbreak that he had from losing becky um they reenacted this scene and it really you know it really kind of put dante in a place now the, what was so brilliant about the scene here is that the original scene was made to you know put perspective into dante because dante kept saying um you know he doesn't he he um he shouldn't be there and randall at the time said well if we're so advanced why are we still at the store and you know it was a point to be make it's like to anybody who was watching it's like if we're so high and mighty if we know what we're talking about if we know you know if we claim that we are who we say we are why are we still in a position that we in which is why i started doing this you know doing you know the brand of hcmg and you know becoming a graphic designer and a, and a multimedia developer and whatnot because i wanted to i wanted to you know do what i say i i claim to be and do and i didn't want anybody to look at me like okay you just talking you just talking a lot of crap you know and a lot of it stems from two things one watching this movie and probably two my father who really didn't ever do what he said he was going to do and i was like i don't want to be that dude i don't want to be that dude that breaks promises or you know not own up to what i say i'm going to do or you know talk like a professional but never put into work a lot of it stemmed from both of those factors so again thank you kevin for that but in this reenacted version of that scene dante schools randall and really tells randall about himself and he he it's like he he has years and years of frustration of everything that randall has done to him and told him like randall i'm the person that you needed throughout your whole life i'm the reason why you are doing everything that you've gotten to do it was because nobody would tolerate you but me and it was all these years of stress and frustration and i bet also impacted with the additional weight of losing becky that he wound up getting into a, uh, a cardiac arrest now going back to amy uh sedaris's character as the uh the surgeon she warned dante that randall needs to get on a strict diet he needs to get into a situation and if you both were eating and doing the same things and you know having the same health you know statuses that you also need to look after yourself and i should have known that to be a foreseen you know situation later on in the movie because dante did in fact get a heart attack the difference is this time dante did not make it and randall really started realizing this when a um started realizing himself when elias actually took it upon himself to curse randall out and to tell him how much of a bad friend he has been and i realized that um of all the things that randall uh that dante has done for him including pleading to his ex emma to give him the money to help him with this movie to actually assure him that this movie would get done even giving half of his you know of his ownership of the quick stop to emma as collateral if uh you know for the stuff and he you know that was a lot because he had to really you know he cheated on his chick in the, in the second movie so for him to do that you know and, and randall didn't know but it, it shouldn't even have got that far so randall got a chance to rewrite the entire movie and make it 
make the movie basically um about dante and how much he's been to him and how much of a factor he has been because he wrote pretty much dante out and made him the star but he he figured it out he, uh, you know and then all of a sudden he showed dante the actual movie and then they go to the scene where he's in the theater watching this but rosario dawson is or becky is in there as well and i'm like oh crap they're gonna do it and they decided to leave together and he was like aren't you gonna watch the rest of the movie he was like no i think he'll, i think i know the rest and it, you know it'll be all right and they walk off which then it goes back to the real world and dante dies i could not believe they went there with this story in in a way like again i should be mad at this but because of the absolutely phenomenal performance like brian o'halloran and how he really drew you in of the pain that dante went through i i it's it's really strange for me because there were two other show there was a show and there was a movie that kind of did the same thing and i could not watch them again after seeing that because i got so drawn into the characters and in, in the in the shows it's not to say that they weren't good it was just like if it wasn't the direction i would have gone with with these characters of course but it happened one the movie the last movie i've seen like this was um why did i get married to which was tyler perry's movie that starred um uh, uh malik yoba and and uh janet jackson and a uh, host of other you know great characters uh jill scott and all of them and that met that the, the sequel met with a tragic ending i don't know why he went that way but it did and yes janet jackson ended up with the rock but still doesn't matter dude i could i have yet i have yet to still watch that movie to this day i it was so good it was but it got so dark at the end it was like i can't watch this again the other show the show that i actually got really pissed off at how i met your mother we spent years waiting to see this dude find his love of his life we finally found out who the love of his life is only for her to die of cancer i was so pissed i have not watched that episode since i there was a lot of people who were mad about that um show and then we got clerk's three i don't know what it is what it is about it but i actually liked that what they did what kevin did with this i actually liked it and then brian o'halloran his performance was just so good it was just so good in here as you seen him in a such a vulnerable state and he was you know crying you know profusely about the loss of his life and everything and the fact that he felt so alone and i i it, he really drew it out man um god it, i i don't know if he's ever going to be recognized by any uh committees or or the academy whatever like that but dude he really poured his heart out in his role for this um I don't agree with the idea of him dying, but I accept it. I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I, I just, I just am. I, uh, but we then go to the funeral and see what happens there. Uh, everybody's there. Everybody from, you know, in areas, including Kevin Smith's daughter, uh, Harley, who plays a funeral attending and then later on we see her playing somebody else too um i should note that elias um 
during this whole entire process, I felt I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Elias was hilarious in this whole entire thing because not only was he Elias, you know, the God-fearing Christian, but because of what Randall has gone through, and he prayed that Randall um would be saved or whatnot. Or, you know, he he thought that he because he he kind of you know prayed that Dante that something bad would happen to Randall. And it did. And somehow this led to him, you know, be you know, worshiping Satan or whatever like that. So him and his buddy started um, you know, going through different phases through this whole entire thing. And it was just crazy. It was hilarious. But we go into uh the funeral situation and um Randall finally realizes how much of a good friend Dante was. And um he, all this leads into the, the the all famous line i wasn't supposed to be here today meaning that i wasn't supposed to be in this funeral and you weren't supposed to be here and you you know it was it was really crazily done after the funeral we see emma coming to the quick stop and reminding uh, randall that you know dante is no longer there so she owns half of the you know uh quick stop and is going to make him a living make a living hell out of him or whatever like that this is what elias discovers that the crypto that they uh acquired from the uh the the uh what is it jesus kites uh you know uh you know deal that they put together their cryptocurrency that they put together has gathered way over a million dollars making them now rich and they decided to give the money that dante owed to emma so emma wouldn't own the quick stop saving randall's ass so now it's randall and elias that are now going to be friends and you know they continue the journey from there i don't know what's going to happen with this movie it's supposed to be the end but um this was a crazy crazy way to end this movie like they could have ended it any other way they, kevin decided to go this way i'm looking for i had to, i did not watch any interviews prior to this movie because i really wanted to get my thoughts out first but overall i really like this movie i may not have agreed with the ending but i really felt that what he did was really creative it was different um wow it was it was very telling it was really telling but the performances the appearances everything and it was it paid a great homage to the original clerks at the same time as well um just overall i i a, a great movie um if i'm gonna give this a grade i think i'm gonna give it a above average b is a i'll give it a b plus uh only because and i probably would have given it a giving that they did kill off dante because that still hurts me i don't know if i'll be able to watch this movie again uh it might be a long time before i watch this movie because movies like this trigger me to some extent um it triggered a lot of people I got a, uh, a guy that I've known for quite some time who is an ACMG member. I um, won't say his name, but he's, he, we, he talked uh, about, because I think we both went to go see it at the same time in our local theaters or nearby theaters. And I think we commented on it at the same time. He didn't want, we both didn't give spoilers on this anything, but he said that it really kind of hit him hard. So he ended up connecting with me on, um, on messenger or on facebook and he revealed why it triggered him in a really bad way um his father passed away recently of you know the same situation that uh kevin went through that 
you know dante and randall went through in here and it it triggered him seeing um dante in his emotional state the performance of brian hollering and that's such a state it here's here's what i take from that um when a performance is so good that people really get triggered by it in a certain way that is the sign of a good performance no, no matter how somebody comes off i remember and i had to remind them too i watched an episode of buffy that did the same thing um there was a genius episode of buffy um when their mom passed away it wasn't by a demon it wasn't by any, and it was funny because he got sarah michelle geller in this episode that i mentioned this too um this episode it was like it was a silent tone episode no demons killed their mom she died of i, I, I believe probably heart issues or whatever and they found her mother dead in her room this was so spot on and triggering to me because lo and behold that is how i found my mother in the same situation so the episode reflect deeply with me empathetically and emotionally with me in that same fashion because everything that they went through that sarah michelle uh, geller went through as buffy and um her sister that whole entire episode was just quiet it wasn't action-packed it was just it captured the actual feeling and moments of what my sister and i went through when we found our mother passed away in her in her room i i totally understand it i haven't watched that episode in ages um it's not because i didn't want to it's because i just i never saw it again um but i understand what he went through and that's you know when you when you when you see brian in this movie you'll understand i get how it, it if he doesn't watch this movie ever again i totally get it because it does trigger some heartstrings in this and it triggers some things it's hard because brian is convincingly emotional through this whole thing like geez he i don't think we give him enough credit for his ability as an actor because we only see him in viewer skew movies or whatnot in, in other projects but this is probably one of his best roles he's ever done in best movies he's ever done to really get out what he uh as an actor so it, it, it um man kudos to him kudos to the entire cast because everybody did a tremendous deal and it was a great homage to the original film but man did they they went there i just wonder like was there any other like the original clerks was there any other ending that he thought of doing prior to this because you guys remember and they, and they played you know we saw that they played uh a spoof the idea that dante was going to die in the original movie and by gunshot in the uh, clerks movie it's just he he's been wanting to kill off dante for some time for some reason but it's just it's just been crazy man with this series but and very interesting ending to a legendary cult classic it just it just is um i'll probably watch clerks one and clerks two multiple times because they all had happy endings in there this one was just completely different i i can't wait to find out from kevin what went on with that deal 
in there too. And again, shout out to Mega Red because his uh, song Tractor Beam was played in the movie as well. You know, a lot of dope stuff happened in here. But overall, yeah, B plus for me, a very good film, but a film I can't see myself watching too many times because of how it went down. But, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, go out of your way, check it out. You know, just a complete trilogy. It was really good. It was definitely really good. So there you have it, folks. That will do it for this edition of Talk to Live. Thank you guys so very, very much for being a part of this and every show that we've ever done. Again, thank you to Eric and Artie uh, for not only coming on to the show, but inviting me to check out a new world uh, intimate music from Final Fantasy. If you are in the upcoming areas that they are be, they they will be performing in uh believe they're in austin he's in austin texas right now they're going to be in oklahoma city salt lake city utah coming up all in september uh go out of your way check it out st louis missouri uh las vegas in november quebec uh city in uh october and just go out of your way check it out man and just it's it's a hell of a great show to see if you're a final fantasy fan go out of your way check it out uh, go to their website at ffnewworld.com and you can find that out. You can go to check out when uh, Distant Worlds also will be playing in your nearby area as well. So I do expect to see them back in Philly and uh, I look forward to seeing him again once they arrive here. So uh, just a fantastic show. Go to talktimelive.com right now, not only just to check out this episode, their past episodes, my exclusive video interviews, but go to my blog section. I did a write-up for this show, which also has the video of the one of the performances that they did in this show as well for there. So uh, thank you to AWR Music for allowing me to do that as well again. And um, please go out of your way to check it out. Next week, I think I am going to review Cyberpunk 2077 edge runner on netflix right now the uh 10 episode anime i actually i'm almost finished watching it um there's a lot to check out and uh did the question is did it reinvigorate my ability to want to play that game again so we'll talk about that and much more um this week on select start i will be uh playing i will be reviewing actually pack world repack the uh remake of the classic pac-man 3d uh platformer from bandai namco and whatever news is coming up next week as well we actually do got news uh especially my thoughts on uh tekken reveals and uh, my thoughts on uh the street fighter information that we're getting from tokyo game show so we'll have a lot of tokyo game show news and such uh thoughts on that and whatever come about from there but uh thank you again Thank you again for all of you guys uh, listening to the show. Thank you for those who helped make uh, 50,000 downloads in August. Thank you guys for that. And continuing to enjoy all, th all things anime, comics, movies, and games. If you want to subscribe and download on your favorite podcast platforms, we're, we're, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are played, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora. And if you go to Tumblr, type in Talk Time Live, you can find me there. Listen to all of our episodes there as well. So guys, thank you so much again. That'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out here. Take care and enjoy this great weather, people.
music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.